0: Oh, such a great introduction. Awesome. Uh, Yes, so as you can see today, we're talking about celebrating, which is super exciting. I love celebrating. But um, I was chatting to my old flatmate um, a little while ago, and she was saying that so often we think, oh, I wish I could be doing this, or I wish I could have that, or I wish I was more like them. And we're constantly thinking about the things that feel like losses in our lives made me think about how often do we think about the wins in our lives and how often do we celebrate them, not only within ourselves, but with others. We're told in Romans that the kingdom of God is living a life of goodness, peace, and joy. We're also told in Philippians that we should be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow. How often are we focusing on that joy? How often are we overflowing with joy? And how often are we thinking about the winds in our lives? And how often are we celebrating those winds with others? There's a big push in today's society to be real with whole apps dedicated to showing all your friends what you're doing at any given moment and being real with it. If you don't know the app, be real. If you're my friend, you know it and you hate it. Um, someone was like, it's be real time, guys. Um, basically, your phone notifies you once a day, any random time in the day, sometimes the middle of the night, and you post a photo of you and what's in front of you at that moment, right? That's the whole idea. It's being real. You're being real with what you're doing in the moment. It's not fake, it's being real, right? But as a generation, we've decided we want to move away from Instagram being a highlight reel to letting people know all the rubbish things that are happening in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be open and honest about your feelings with your friends. Please don't stop sharing your feelings. But can I suggest that maybe, just maybe, we've pushed too hard the other way and nobody is talking about the successes anymore, Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was in a bad mood, for no reason, Um, (laughs) and I was asked what my win was for that day. Now, I had had a relatively good day, but I let my mood in that moment dictate the whole day, and I couldn't think of any wins. Now, we're all allowed bad days. Right, But what I don't want for myself is for the bad day to overshadow the good in my life. I want the good in my life. I want the joy that is the kingdom of God to overshadow the bad day. So in answer to that question I got a few weeks ago, my win for that day was that I was told by a colleague that they appreciated all the work I put in and they loved having me around. Now how crazy is it that I let a temporary mood dictate my entire day? When it comes to our day-to-day lives, there are going to be rough moments when we feel like we're not doing enough, we aren't good enough, no one likes us anymore, but can we celebrate the wins above all else? Can we encourage and champion each other in the good and joy of each week? Now, this isn't a new idea. It's something that's been around for literally thousands of years. See, we read of it multiple times in the Bible, but today I want to focus on a few parables we get told in Luke 15. uh, Verse 3 starts off with the parable of the lost sheep. It says this, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now we all know this parable as a great story of God's love for the lost people and that he would always go out to find them. And this is incredibly true. God loves you and will always come running after you. But in verse five, we read that the shepherd has found his sheep. And then in verse six, what does he do? He goes home, calls his friends and neighbors around to celebrate. He brings the kingdom of God. He brings the joy. Jesus then says that one sinner repenting would cause rejoicing in heaven. See, we can see that celebrating wins is a kingdom principle. If heaven is rejoicing, then why aren't we? Now, a sheep has many meanings in the Bible, but for a shepherd, their sheep was their livelihood. Sheep were used for their wool, their meat, their milk, their horns. Losing a sheep would have been a big deal to a shepherd. Now, now maybe this is another reason that the shepherd is so happy to have found his sheep and wants to celebrate with everyone he knows because he's gotten his livelihood back. Today, that'll look different. Maybe your livelihood looks like a new job. Maybe your livelihood looks like a promotion. Maybe your livelihood looks like a relationship restored. Whatever your livelihood is, let's celebrate it. The next parable we read in Luke 15 is the parable of the lost coin, and it says this. "Or well, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Once again, a great story of heaven and God rejoicing at a sinner, repenting, but also once again, someone who was calling her friends and neighbors over to celebrate the win she had in finding her coin. If heaven is rejoicing, then why aren't we? Now a win isn't always as gonna be as life-changing as a soul one for Jesus. And it won't always be as simple as finding a coin, but whatever your win is, tell someone and let them celebrate it with you. The final parable we get in Luke 15, it's a well-known well known one, the lost son or the prodigal son. It's a bit longer. I am going to read it out because I don't want to just assume that everybody knows it. It says this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So basically, the son asks for his inheritance early, goes and spends it all, goes through some stuff, and eventually comes back to his father asking if he can work for him because he doesn't think that the father will accept him back as a son. And what does the father do? He runs and greets him with a hug and then what do they do next they celebrate in fact in verse 32 it says that they Had to celebrate, like it wasn't a choice or a second thought in this father's mind. He had to celebrate the win. Imagine having that mindset. There is no other choice but to be filled with joy, there is no other choice but to bring the kingdom of God into any situation, there is no other choice but to celebrate the win. During the celebration for the prodigal son, he's given three things, a robe, a ring, and sandals. Now, these all symbolize slightly different things, but ultimately, the father giving these things to him was restoring his position as a son. It was restoring his identity as a member of the family. And I think that something similar happens when we celebrate wins in our lives. When we forget about the negative things in our lives and forget about the past hurts, we choose to put on the robe, ring and sandals of sonship. We restore our identity as a member of a joyful family, a kingdom family. Now, that's a win-win situation, I reckon. We get to be happy while simultaneously realigning ourselves and bringing ourselves back into God's family. Why wouldn't we celebrate? Now, I think that poses a different question. Why would we celebrate? Why should we celebrate? Well, first and foremost, we should celebrate wins because God is good. Now, if you've been in church for a while, then hopefully you'll be able to help me out with this one. God is good, and all the time come on. Now this has become quite a cliche and sometimes cringy thing that people say in church, but it is so true, right? In Matthew 19 verse 17, Jesus states that God is the only one who is good. In Psalm 145 verse 9, we're told that the Lord is good to all. In Psalm 34 verse 8, we're told to taste and see that the Lord is good. In Lamentations, we're told that the Lord is good to those who wait for him. First Chronicles 16 verse 34 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his mercy is endures forever. Psalm 106 verse 1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. And then Psalm 107 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. Now I don't know if you realized, but those last three verses, they are pretty similar. Almost like they're trying to tell us something. Now we're told multiple times in the Bible to give thanks to God because of his goodness. We are urged to celebrate the wins that God gives us because he is good. This is something that I know is easier said than done. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm guilty of letting my mood or a bad day get in the way of my celebrating. But the Bible doesn't repeat something unless it's really trying to get a point across. So with that in mind, can I encourage you to celebrate your wins even when you don't feel like it? Can we create a space here at Elam and can you create a space in your own lives where celebration and joy are your default? There's a church around the corner from here that has a sign, right? And they change the message on the sign every now and then. And a few months ago, it said, The moon is always round and God is always good. Both of those statements are true, but it did get me thinking. There are times when I'll look up at the moon and it doesn't look round. There are times when I'll look up and sometimes I can't even see the moon. In the same way, there are times when I can look at what God is doing in my life and it doesn't look good. Sometimes I feel like I can't see God at all. When I moved to Christchurch, life sucked for a little while. In fact, life sucked for quite a while. And if I'm being honest, God didn't look good. Sometimes it felt like he wasn't even there, like I had left him in Hastings. But when I look back, I can't help but see his goodness in every situation. What felt like the end of the world at the time was only the beginning of something new— Because just like the moon, even if we can't see it or even if it doesn't look round, we can't dispute the fact that it is there and it is round. Even when we can't see God or he doesn't look good, we can't dispute the fact that he is there and he is good. And that is something worth celebrating. In case you're at this point, you're like, oh my goodness, Chrissy, you've made it this far into a sermon and you haven't even quoted a song yet. Good job. Now's the time. There's a song that I love called Kind by Corey Asbury. And it starts by listing some bad things that happen in life. And it says, Sometimes marriages don't work. Sometimes babies die. Sometimes rehab turns to relapse. And then it says that he wonders how God chooses who he does and doesn't heal. But then we get a chorus that says this, I've tried to run from Jesus. I've started holy wars. I've tried the patient waiting and the kicking down of doors. I've cursed his name in anger with my fist raised to the sky. And in return, all he's ever been is kind. I think that is such an amazing depiction of the character of God. With all the bad things that can happen in our lives, God still shows up with kindness and goodness time and time again, even when the moon doesn't look round, it is. So, with that in mind, I want to ask you how has the moon been round in your life recently? How has God been good in your life recently? And have you celebrated that win? Right now, you may be thinking, okay, so I know the people in the Bible celebrated wins. I know why I should celebrate wins, but like, how do I actually do it? What do I do? Now, celebrating wins will look different for everyone. For all wins, big or small, our first step in celebration should be to pray and thank God for the win. Our first instinct should be to thank God because he is the one that gave us that win. So before we do anything else, pray. In the parables we read earlier, we see that they called their friends and neighbours around and threw a party. Now, I'm not suggesting that you call everyone you know and throw a huge party for every single win in your life. Unless you want to, then please go for it and please invite me. I'll come. But that is one way to do it, especially for the big wins in your life. But for the smaller wins, you could possibly take a more subtle approach. Um, If you don't want to throw a party, can I encourage you just to tell one person in your life? That's how simple it needs to be. Just telling one person is enough to celebrate their win and bring the kingdom of God into that situation. But if you're already comfortable with that, then maybe take it a step further. Share it in your small group. If you're not in a small group, first of all, get into a small group. Then share it at your small group. Share it with your colleagues. Share it here at church. Let us celebrate with you. Let us pray for you. Let your joy overflow so that ours can do the same. So, for the next couple of minutes, we're going to do just that. We're going to get into groups. We're going to share a win with each other. I know all the introverts introverts in the congregation just sighed internally. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm not actually. Um, But we're going to get into groups. We're going to share a win that has happened in our life recently with each other. And if you look around and you see someone sitting by themselves, tag you're it. They're now in your group. Um, Nobody is going to be left alone during this. We are all going to be talking to at least one other person and sharing a win that we have had recently. And go. If you haven't already. I don't want to stop celebration. That seems very... Opposite of what I've just been preaching, but there's gonna be more time after church to carry on celebration if you want. Yeah, all I'm gonna do now is pray. You guys have done the hard work, thank you, especially to all the introverts. I appreciate that, I really do. I was expecting a bit of silence when I was like, Go, but it was all of a sudden erupting, and I love it, love it. Celebration should be loud. All right, let's just pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you that the moon is always round. I want to thank you that you are continuously good and continuously kind. I pray that everyone here would be able to see the goodness of you, Lord, in their every day. Lord, I pray that the moon would always look round. I pray that they would find a way to step out of their comfort zone and tell someone their win in this coming week and bring the celebration to others. Lord, please let the joy, let joy overflow out of us all. In Jesus' name. I mean,